and talking about all those financial things and whether you should vote to go ahead and and I couldn't believe it. Now part of the not believing it is that John's on sabbatical and you guys just took the reins and surprised him with a with a decision by the time he got back. How does he how do you do that? You, know, you go away and you come back and you have a new place. Well, I guess the new place didn't really happen right away. But this is awesome. I imagine you're disappointed in some respects of not having to set up every Sunday. And, you know, but that was also impressive to me. I remember coming here and seeing how you, you brought everything out. You had everything just precisely. And every, it was, I just can't believe it. And now I start wandering around the building here. I went across the way. Doesn't look like it's quite completed yet, right? Yeah. Do I have that right? Okay, I just thought maybe it would be a new style. Knowing you guys, it could be just about anything. But we are delighted to be here. Now, I do have a question, though. Uh, is uh, Amanda here? She's going on this trip. She could be away today. But I have no idea how to say her last name. E-N-C-K. Ank. Ank. You got to... I should have her stand up because you got to get this kind of, eh, you know, ank. Okay, I, I, I don't want to make fun of her name. I just want to be able to say it and uh, bring it before the Lord. Now, it's great to see these uh, individuals taking off, going down to Haiti. That'll be an awesome time, I'm sure, as God will be at work in your lives. Yeah, this is good. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. How many of you have more than uh, one or two Bibles in your home? How many? Let me see. More than one or two. Okay, how about more than three? More than four? Five? Six? Seven? Are you counting all your iPhones, you know, with all the things on it? Don't, don't forget those. Isn't it amazing how many Bibles we have? And if you don't even have enough, they've got some they're giving away here this morning, too. Just feel free to take them home, add them to your collection. Is that the way these work? Yeah, I'm not sure. No, it's great. If you don't have one, though, you should have one this morning. That's part of the freedom we enjoy in this country, really, to have a Bible. That sounds rather strange, but my wife and I were on a trip, and we were at a book bindery, and they were talking about the history of books, and we were asking them about Bibles, and they mentioned to us that basically up until about the 17th century, even later, 18th century, people didn't have them. They might have one in a town, one Bible, because they were so expensive to make. And here we are having... How many are represented in this room? And the freedom not only to have them, but then to use them. In some countries, they, uh, they actually experience persecution if they're found with the Bible. And uh, that's today. How can that be? But we should delight in the freedom that we have. Well, we're going to be reading this text in uh, Matthew here, in Matthew chapter 13. And it really has some very interesting things. But keep in mind, as we're moving through this, we're going to be talking about a heart condition. It's amazing to me that as we begin to come to this text, we've seen that Jesus has healed people. Jesus has spoken. Jesus has done some amazing miracles. 
And then the Pharisees, of all things, say, show us a sign. And Jesus, well, he responds by saying, let me tell you some stories. The stories are parables, and I know that you've been looking at parables, but basically, Jesus is going to tell this story, and right alongside of that story are some truths that we need to get a hold of. That's what basically a parable is. It's a some truth that is thrown alongside of, para, and cast alongside there. Well, Matthew chapter 13. Let me read the text. It's the parable of soils, or the parable, we can look at this here, it's the parable of the sower, it's either the parable of the seed, it's the parable of the souls, soil, soils. They, uh, this particular parable has many names. And I think many times they just do this in relationship to the emphasis. But I would suggest to you today that we're going to look at the emphasis of the soils which represents our hearts. Well, listen as I would read. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty he who has ears let him hear and then in verse 18 we have Jesus explaining this parable now I think that's great because many of the parables you'll read he doesn't explain he goes through he teaches them and we're hoping that we gather the truth from that text. And this one? No, he's going to tell us. And here's what he says. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. I want us to think in terms of these four soils this morning and realize that they represent hearts. But more specifically, I want you to think of it this way. I believe every one of us, at any given point in time, can have one of these hearts. 
the description that we find here. In fact, I suggest that even throughout this morning together, some of you may start off with a hard heart and then God the Spirit begins to work in your mind and you might move toward another and maybe even have a good heart by the time the morning's over. Some may start with, I came in here, God. I'm ready. I'm worshiping. I really want to hear from you today. But somewhere along the line, you might take on the character of another heart. Maybe it'll be a thorny one or a weedy one or a stony one. But I do want you to think in terms of how is my heart this morning? Because it's important that we guard our hearts if we're going to have the kind of heart that is going to bear fruit. So we'll take a look at them one at a time here as we move through this morning. The wayside heart. This is the uh, heart where it's the path. Uh, it's spoken of in my text this morning as the path. But you understand how this works, don't you? The farming of that particular day. They would throw the seed. It would be cast like this and it would be spread out. I, I know I do some of that when I'm planting grass seed. I, you probably, How many have ever cast out grass seed? Come on, I, I'm pretty sure. Does it always fall exactly where you want it to fall? No way. And in fact, it just kind of goes all over the place. And then if you have a rain, it kind of washes it in one place or the other. You're just not quite sure how it's going to fare and what, whether it's going to grow where you want it to or maybe grow. You should see ours, our house. We have kind of a hill like this. And we planted grass seed up on this one part. I'll tell you, we have great lush grass down here. Hardly anything up there. Anyway, um, maybe I'm not that good of a grass grower. That's not the issue. It's the heart. It's the soils that we're going to be looking at this morning. This particular one, he likens to the one where you throw it out and then the adversary comes and takes it away. The hard heart. The calloused heart. The heart that doesn't really embrace and take in the Word. And You know, I think the Apostle Paul probably fit this category. Well, when he was Saul. Did it ever occur to you that Saul, a Pharisee, lived at the same time as Jesus did? Did that occur to you? Did it ever occur to you that Saul likely was one of those Pharisees standing around listening to the words of Jesus? And he wasn't responding well to it. I mean, actually, it didn't, that had not occurred to me till much later in my pastoral experience. I just kind of separated to, well, okay, here's Jesus, and he's walking around in Galilee, and he's there in Jerusalem, and he's living, and yes, there were Pharisees that came against him, and, and they were always questioning, and they were always doing this, but somehow the Apostle Paul or Saul, well, he lived at another time in another place. But he didn't. And so I think he would represent very well for us this one that has the hard, stony, or rather the hard heart that is walked on. And the truth had been preached to him and taught to him by Jesus. And yet it was not taken in and bore any fruit. Not at that point. Much later, it was quite different. Then we have another heart. And that's this one. 
the stony soil or as rocky soil as others would say. It falls out there in the rock. The idea of it, as you read in different translations and even different texts, because this parable is taught in Matthew, it's taught in Mark, and it's taught in Luke. And when you read it, you find that it's talking about soil that is very thin where the roots would go down in, but they hit this rock ledge and, and nothing really happens other than it springs up and then dies. I thought I'd bring some of my um, horticultural work along with me here today. Doesn't that look beautiful? You know? You know what the problem is with this? Actually, this pot was sitting outside our house and I don't know how that a walnut ended up in this pot and an acorn ended up in this pot. But it did. And one day we come out and we see these plants starting to grow. You could actually see the walnut had cracked open and the roots were going down and this plant was coming up. I thought, that is so cool. So we continued to watch it and watered it every once in a while and as you can see not very often once in a while right but the real problem with this is it's shallow soil and it's not getting the nutrients that it needs I had actually thought uh, I, I knew that you know it's not going to make it in that pot very long so about three weeks ago I said to self you know, I really should transplant that out if we want to see and watch this thing grow. That was three weeks ago. I'm wondering, maybe it's a little too late. What do you think? I don't know. We'll find out when I get home and plant it sometime in the next three weeks. So, I, I mean, really, it's shallow. But that can be our hearts, too. Our hearts can be such that we get excited about what we hear in the Word of God. The Word of God is preached, just proclaimed, and we respond to it and say, Oh, that is so awesome, and God, I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to go for you. And, and then, as the text says, difficulties or struggles or persecution come, and all bets are off. Now, tell me that hasn't happened to you sometimes. I, I know it's a long way back, but uh, we used to love to go to camp. Any of you go to camp? Any of you here do that? Yeah. Any of you ever go to High Point Camp? There we go. That's a little better. Um, yeah. When I started ministry, I had two years there as the camp director, so that was kind of fun. So I loved camp ministry. I went there knowing that camp can have an impact on a person's life, but because I remember as a teenager, young teenager, going to camp, and I would get so fired up for God. I mean, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be a witness at school. We're going into that public school, and we're going to see lives change, and I'm going to carry my Bible, and I'm going to talk to them, and how long did that last? Come on, how long do you think? A week? Two weeks? Three weeks? What do you think? A week? Uh, uh, I was much better. Two weeks. Two weeks at least, you know. And, and, and a couple of years, it, it would happen each year. I mean, what is that? I'd hear the Word of God and be excited about what was going on. And I'm going to have my devotions every day. Well, that maybe didn't last two weeks. 
Um, but I was going to try to do this and, and pray. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have a prayer. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray an hour a day. Well, that was the first day. And you know, I prayed for that whole hour and then ten minutes passed. Yeah, it, it really... It's, it was crazy. But I, I really was excited. And I mean, I really had true intentions. But when... Yes, when the persecution and the time and the stress and the struggles and the kind of stuff that was being said at school and what they were calling us, you know, it stopped. And I, I think all of us have that potential of being excited about what the Word of God has said and teaches, but then life happens, difficulties take place, and we back off, and we wilt, and we die. Or at least that intention dies. Pastors well know that week after week we proclaim the Word of God but it, uh, and people get excited, and, and they'll even meet you at the door and say, Oh, that message meant so much to me. It's, gonna, it's changing my life. And that can be true. And I hope it is true that our lives continue to grow and are transformed. And by the way, apparently somewhere along the line it was on good soil because I'm even here speaking today. And God's Word did have that impact. But there's another soil that I'm even more concerned about. And this is one that I think is ever so present in, in our day and in our church and in my life. And that is this weedy soil, this cluttered heart, this heart where when God's Word is preached and then weeds begin, the cares of this world begin to come in and press so much so that God's Word just doesn't have fruitfulness. It can begin to be fruitful, but then it just doesn't. Think of it this way. Have you ever had the experience of picking up your Bible, reading it, going down through the text, your eyes going down through, but at the very end when you're finished reading, you realize you don't remember a thing that was said, that was written. Did you ever have that experience? What were you thinking about during that time? I mean, you started by, oh, Lord, I'm going to read your word. And you start down through two or three verses later. You're thinking about what you're going to make for lunch. You're thinking about that relationship with that guy or that gal. You're thinking about a um, slide-in range. Wait a minute, you probably weren't thinking about that. But I have been. I'm telling you, I'm finding it really hard to concentrate in reading the Word because of all the stuff that's coming in around the outside. Do you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that single is better than being married? Did you know that? I mean, you, you have to have the gift, but both take a gift. But it actually says that. In fact, he warns us. If you marry, you will have trouble. I teach that at every wedding I do, right? No, actually, I teach that in premarital counseling. But in, in terms of this, 
Honestly, it does. It says because you, you're going to have this mixed concern. You're, you're going to be desirous of really ministering and caring for your wife. You're going to have these cares. I'm married. We're redoing our kitchen. And, and then, you know, Bon has these ideas about what she wants. And, and we go in and we're looking at these ranges, you know, the gas stove. And we go into the store and she sees these and these. And, and you know, this slide-in. You know what a slide-in? I don't know what that is. But she sure does. And, you know, the slide-in range goes in and it doesn't have any back on it. And as she would put it, if you get the other kind, it's going to have a back on it like this and it's just going to mess up the way it looks. I mean, why am I telling you all this? Because it's driving me nuts. That's why. It costs $1,000 more for a slide-in range. Who's going to pay $1,000 more? Me. Yeah, probably. She doesn't know it yet, but I just, every time we talk about it, I just keep quiet and I listen. I keep quiet and I listen, but I'm going to cave. And, and I'm telling you, so here's what happens. I'm studying my Bible. I'm studying for a message. And I'm reading down through here and I'm thinking about these, the, the text and I'm getting into it and all of a sudden I realize... I'm thinking about a stupid stove. Really, I am. Or I'm thinking about some other issue that's going on with my grown kids or maybe my granddaughter or where I'm going to be next week and when is school going to come in. Oh, no, August is only a month and a half away. and All these kind of things are just pressing in. Don't you find that happening to you? That your mind just kind of goes off when the Word of God is being being taught and preached. I mean, how many of you are thinking about something other than what I'm talking about right now? No, don't raise your hands. Because, but it happens. I know it does. I sit in chapel three or four times a week. I'm just glad that while they're preaching, my mind thoughts aren't being projected up on a screen. It would be dangerous. You know, there's a soil that is a weedy soil, meaning the Word of God is being preached and taught. But the cares of this world, in fact, it lists them. It says, cares of this world will sneak in and drag it away. And you can't live in this world without having cares. But we must guard our hearts. Because the truth is, there are so many things that can draw our attention away. And, and our culture works against it. The consumer culture. I mean, really. You've got to have a better car. Here's what You ought to have a better car. You ought to have a nicer car. And then you ought... I mean, right now, I drove here today and I'm thinking about the message. I go by this one place and there was a motorcycle that looked like love to have a motorcycle. And I went, wait a minute. I shouldn't be thinking about that. I was just praying. I was just thinking. Come on back. So we have this cares, the, the desires and the cares. And then it talks about the deceitfulness of riches in the text. Did you notice that? The deceitfulness of riches. What that means, 
the, the basic idea there is that we see riches and somehow we're thinking that's going to make life better. More desirable. It's deceitful. It's lying to us. Eve had the deceitfulness of lust it talks about there, but the same basic idea. Here she is in the garden and she hears the adversary saying to her, Oh, but this will make it better for you. And how much of our lives is spent with the deceitfulness of riches? This will make it better for you. And yet, most of us have come to realize that as we pursue or would chase after some kind of riches, that it doesn't really make it better. It distracts us off. I had that experience as a pastor a few years back. Well, actually, it's quite a few years back now because they've been at BBC or Summit for 15 years. But prior to that, I pastored a church in Philadelphia area. And uh, there was a downturn in the economy, believe it or not, way back then. And so men in our church were finding it difficult to uh, find work. And so we started a painting business. I mean, I started that, and I employed the guys in the church, and I continued to pastor the church. But on Mondays, I would go, and I would bid jobs and get things ready. And on my lunch hours, I would run out and do that. But what I didn't realize is that my mind and my heart had been drawn away, and so that I wasn't studying as much as I used to, I wasn't thinking about the ministry as much as I used to, and we weren't having the fruitfulness either that we had used to in that ministry. And then one day, a well-meaning um, deacon took me aside and he says, Pastor Don, I need to talk to you. He says, you know, sometimes I don't know if we have a pastor or a painter in our church, leading our church. Wow, what a wake-up call that was. And that day I got rid of all that painting equipment done. Because I knew that God had called me to be a pastor, not a painter, but I had allowed those things to creep into my life. The cares of the world, yes, and even the deceitfulness of riches. It can happen to any of us. And what God intends when the Word of God is preached, He intends that it would flourish. But there are things that can get in the way. So guard your heart. In fact, say this with me. I will guard my heart. Would you do that? I will guard my heart. Maybe you didn't even realize you needed to. But when the Word of God is preached, there are four possibilities that Jesus tells us about. One is that we can have a hard heart and we can not even take it into consideration. Another is we can get excited about it, but it will fizzle out. A third is that it will just get choked out. And then, of course, this last one. The last one is where I hope we would all live, and that is this. That it's good soil and it would be responsive to the Word of God, that it will be fruitful, that it will have, it says in this text, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And in another text it says thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. I mean, the point is that there will be fruit, there will be growth 
in our lives because the Word of God is true. Now, I do have one other, uh, I think you have an outline there, so I need to make sure you fill this out, but here it is. The three different texts actually approach it just a little differently. And I wanted you to see this. In Matthew, it says, But he who received the seed on good ground is he who the word and he who hears the word and he understands it. Now this is significant. This doesn't necessarily mean anything to you other than it's a transliteration of the Greek word that is used there. It's the idea that we understand, that we gather it, that we embrace it, we, we get it, we understand it. Now it's different in Mark. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20 says this, These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and accept it. And again, it's a different word. Uh, it seems that God in His directing these men to write the text had them give us a different nuance each time they wrote. In this case, we see that it's one that accepts it. And then in Luke, having heard the word with noble and good hearts, they keep it. And yet another word. And again, all three of them, different words, different men writing about the parable of the soils. Now, here's what I want you to notice. In Matthew, he emphasizes the intellect. In Mark, we emphasize the emotion. And in Luke, it emphasizes the will. I think it's awesome to see how that when God talks about the Word of God and we take the Scripture as a whole, He's saying, listen, when the Word of God is preached, it needs to connect with your intellect, it needs to connect with your emotion, and it needs to connect with your will. Your whole being. It's not just enough to know it. It's not just enough to get excited about it. And, it, and on top of that, you need to do something about it. That's how the Word of God is to be received. In your mind, through your heart, out into life. These young people that have the green shirts on. Listen, as you get down and, and you work with these kids, you're going to get involved with them. You're going to be connecting with their minds but, and their emotion and encouraging them to act upon the truth of the Word of God that they've received. And I desire that for each one of us here too. That when God's Word is read, when it is preached, when it is taught, that it's not just a matter of sitting down and knowing more or feeling good about what you're hearing. And it's not just about doing either. It's about all of you embracing and connecting with the truth of God's Word. For years... I think one of the great weaknesses in our churches has been an emphasis on simply knowing the Word of God. So we sit in Sunday school classes. We've sat in church services. We sit in Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday evening church, Wednesday night church. Every time you get together, you've got to have the Word of God. You've got to know more, got to know more, got to know more. But it didn't always connect with our hearts. And it certainly didn't bring about life transformation. That wasn't, didn't seem to be the goal. The goal seemed to be to know the Word of God more. The mind. And in fact, if people start getting excited about it a little bit too much and maybe raised a hand or two, you know, in their excitement about the Word of God, 
it was frowned upon. That's not what it's to be. We preach that God's Word might transform lives, intellect, emotion, and will. Now, these last thoughts here, what we've called life lessons, here's something that is so important to grasp, and that is this, that God's Word does bear fruit. When your team goes to Haiti and you proclaim the Word of God, you can anticipate that it will bear fruit. You're going to spread the Word. Yes, and some people will hear and it will be snatched away. And some people will get excited and it will be gone. And some people, yes, there's weeds going to grow up. But there will be some that are going to respond to that. I'm so thankful you're sending this team to Haiti. You pray for them. And pray that the Word of God might fall on good soil. Yes? You'll do that? And pray that their hearts are hearts that are good soil hearts. And then there's this. That you would examine your own heart. And I've implied this all the way along this morning. But I wonder if we would just now take a, have that moment of silence. And you were to evaluate your heart how many different conditions existed throughout the morning together were you in and out or is the word of God falling on hearts that have been guarded and prepared and will be fruitful I certainly hope so and then the last one is this we can assist in the heart health of others Now, we didn't really talk about this, but we can be soil preparers. In other words, we can pray that there will be good soil for it to fall on. We can come alongside of someone in times of discouragement, in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, when the tendency would be for it to fizzle the Christianity or the decisions they made to fizzle. You can come alongside and encourage them on and help them in their Christian experience. It's so important to be involved in things like small groups or discipleship groups where we can build into each other's lives and in a real sense help people have good soil. Guard your heart. Would you say that with me again? Guard your heart. Encourage people and take the Word of God and own it. In your mind, in your emotion, And in your will, embrace God's Word. Paul made this statement in 2 Timothy. He said, the Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof, for correction. You that know the text know I didn't do it in order. But it's important to realize that God's Word is what's going to bring about life change. Father, we thank You then for the opportunity of opening up Your Word, hearing it. Lord, now may the hearing result in doing. Not just 10%, but 30, 40, 60, even 100-fold. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.